The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. We are sponsored by collarandelbowbrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. In partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape. And our newest sponsor, Silly Rabbit Vape Shop, located in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. I mentioned Turnbuckle Talk for a discount on all vape juice and hardware. We are found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Listen to us on all of those places that we are available. Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, CastBox, and all the other podcatchers out there. As always, I'm Carl Carafel. And I'm Big Joe. And we are here with another episode of Turnbuckle Talk. Absolutely, Carl. Another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling. We are, as of we're recording, today is Monday. Make sure I got my my, uh, my days correct. We're two days removed from AEW All Out. Now, before we get into all the details, in general, what's your general thoughts on the show, Carl? Uh, not without its downs, but it did have very many ups. Absolutely. I think I'm on uh, kind of the same wavelength as you on this one. For this kind of recap, which we, it's been a while since we've had a chance to kind of do kind of a, a preview and then a recap of, of a pay-per-view that we've actually both gotten to sit down and actually watch. I went with a really different approach when it comes to this, Carl. Because I didn't, and this is probably where it kind of started from, because I didn't really get to, a chance to catch the event live because of my, my work schedule, I had to watch it the following day. So what I ended up doing was just because of social media, and we'll maybe get a little bit more into this later on the episode here, it's just inundated with wrestling stuff, and when these shows are happening live, it just it's, it's spoilers and it's stuff like that all over the place. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to I'm gonna step away from, from social media. I'm, I'm going to stay off Facebook. I'm going to stay off Twitter, all of that. I'm going to watch the show, and I'm not going to listen to any podcasts so that I could come into this week's episode with just a fresh, untainted kind of take on the show. It's a good way to do it, I think. Yeah, it's been a while, so I don't I think I've ever actually done it that way. So th- these takes, because some people have even said, you know, well, maybe you're just listening to other people and kind of copying what they're doing. No, no. This week, not that I've ever done that, but this week, this is just all original kind of takes on the stuff that happened. Because, um, like I said, just the internet is just inundated when these shows are live, so... Let's start off with some pre-show stuff here, Carl. They started off with the 21 Women Battle Royal. Some interesting stuff happened here, Carl. I will have to be totally honest. I was <laughs> not able to catch that from the pre-show. Yep. I got on a little bit later. Yep. Uh, but I, I do know the outcome of 
that matchup and who is going to be going on to, you know, kind of fight for that first AEW Women's Championship. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with with who won. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everybody Nyla Rose. Yes, and I'm totally okay with that. So I figured we'd uh, kind of go through some of the notable names that uh, we weren't expecting, and because obviously they had to fill out uh, the whole thing here. I was a little disappointed, as I kind of predicted. I was hoping that they were going to use Jake Roberts to kind of present this whole thing. They decided not to go that route. A little bit of a downer for me. But they started with the they, they break it down into suits, uh, like as if you're looking at a deck of playing cards in each. There's four different suits plus a joker. So they start with clubs. And so the notable names that uh, that came up, of course, Nyla Rose, Priscilla Kelly, um, Fabi Apache, which I'm not familiar with, and of course Leva Bates, one of the librarians. She was they were in that first group. Uh, the second group were the diamonds. We had Penelope Ford. It was good to see her. Uh, she definitely has a has a really good look and. Uh, Pretty decent work in the ring, if I do say so myself. Um, Sadie Gibbs was another uh, one that uh, a lot of names I'm not really quite familiar with. Uh, her big swole, Shazza McKenzie, and of course Britt Baker, which is probably um, you know the top uh, face in uh, EW on the women's roster right now. Uh, the Spades suit we had. Uh, a prediction which actually kind of came true here. We had Tennille Dashwood uh, in this thing. Uh, definitely a, a big surprise there that uh, I think we correctly uh, anticipated. Eva Lease, of course, uh, someone who you were a big uh, fan of, uh, Carl. Uh, Bea Priestley, Brandy Rose, and Awesome Kong to fill out that suit. And then we had Allie, Nicole Savoy, which is one that I'm not that familiar with. We have the daughter of Rowdy Rowdy Piper. We had Teal Piper, who did do a tremendous amount there, but... Given that's our first match, we can give her a pass there. We had ODB, which was uh, quite the surprise. We had Jazz, um, of course, making an impact as she always does. And drawing the Joker card, a really kind of neat surprise for myself. Maybe this went under the radar for some people. We had Mercedes Martinez, who's uh, involved in the uh, Mayon Classic for WWE and been making quite a name on the independent scene in the meantime. So uh, a really wide range of talent involved in this match, girl. A lot of good names, lots of up and coming names as well. I was very happy to see some of those names mm-hmm. uh, listed in there. Like I said, I haven't had a chance to watch that as of yet, Sven, and I'm definitely going to go back and watch it. Uh, but Tennille Dashwood there, Mercedes Martinez, um, Eva Lise, 100 percent. Like I, I've always been a fan of Eva Lise from, you know, the days back when she was doing Tough Enough. I was always a fan of Eva Lise. So happy to see her getting some recognition again in the world of professional wrestling yeah, absolutely you know she did quite a bit with lucha underground when they were still kind of at their peak uh, to dashwood to me that that's that's a one that really kind of stands out from this whole group here carl does this mean potential this is something that i was actually talking to her friend michael jargo about does this mean any kind of partnership, any kind of working relationship with AEW or impact or was this maybe what i'm kind of thinking that she was already previously kind of committed to this before signing the deal with impact. I think that's exactly what the case is. It was just a matter of her already committing to Mm. do this prior to her uh, joining impact wrestling and kind of um, a show of solidarity, I guess you could say almost on impacts and going, okay, sounds good. We'll Mm -hmm. let you go and do this. After that, you're all ours. A cool thing, but a bit down at the same time, because 
if, if that's the case, you know, she's likely not going to be jumping back and forth. So we might not be seeing a whole lot of her in A and W or A. I don't know. I always want to say A and W. Uh, the, mm. <laughs> it's A E W. And that's the only thing here. I, I'm, I like Tennille Dashwood. I like watching her. And it'd be nice to see more of her in AEW, but who knows? I'm hoping that maybe some deal can kind of be struck there with them in Impact to do a bit of a talent exchange or, or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very possible, but we got to kind of take a look at how some of these other ones have really ended up. There's been partnerships kind of happening between different companies for a while now, yeah. and they all seem to kind of just phase out and fizzle away sure. and nothing really extravagant coming from them. No. So as you mentioned, Nyla Rose winning, and she is going to be in the first match to determine the AEW Women's World Championship. And we're going to find out who the other person is later on here, Carl. Now, the second match in this pre-show, we had Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans. A good, solid tag team match to round up the pre-show and get you excited for the main show. It was it was anything spectacular, but it, it, it accomplished what it needed to. I, I, I firmly believe that. Me as well. I mean, the the four guys that were in there all pretty much put it all out on the line. They yep. went out there, did a solid match for everybody. They really hyped the crowd up. And, I mean, it was... It's, it's, it's really weird watching it live um, mm-hmm. to kind of see the crowd reaction when, you know, things kind of happened. Um a very mixed reaction from the crowd when the winners were were announced of this match and mm-hmm. and it almost almost seemed like it was a bad booking decision to to to, to go that way but um I don't know. I don't think that it really took away anything from the main show. People no. were still hyped. People were still very happy to get to the main card, but it was I I don't know if you noticed it or not, but it just seemed like a weird reaction from the crowd. It did a little bit. The crowd seems to be pretty 50-50 on private party. I I think part of the issue, of course, stems with people are comparing them to the Street Profits in in NXT because we know for a large portion here that fans are the fans of both of these shows. So I think that there's that feeling there that, oh, these guys are just copycats. And you could say that to a certain extent, but they have their own unique uh, personality and approach as well. So I think it's a bit of an unfair comparison. And I think given some time though, I think these guys could you know, be some contenders. And, and of course, Angelico and Jack Evans too, not taking anything away from those two guys, especially Angelico, that guy's got some potential big time. That's all I'm going to say. And that isn't something that hasn't been there before. That's something that we've seen from yeah. anything that he's gone out and done in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the all four of those guys can do, quite honestly. So for the curtain jerker, we had SoCal Uncensored, which for the uninitiated here, that is Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky versus, they're calling them the Jurassic Express here, Carl. We have Marco Stunt and... Probably two of the most over people in this company right now. We have Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. These guys, the the crowd absolutely adores these two. 
They do. And I mean, even including Marco Stunt in there now, like uh, th- that's a phenomenal thing for them. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mark- Marco Stunt looks like he's um, <laughs> eight years old yeah. and three feet high compared to Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. But the kid can go. The kid can move. Yeah. I mean, I was this is really my first time that I've seen anything from uh, Marco Stunt. And I was actually yeah. quite impressed with what I saw from this young kid. Um yeah, yeah, I mean, if they keep all three of them together for a while and let them kind of run some havoc around, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, Marco really makes uh, Spike Dudley almost look like a heavyweight to me. <laughs> um, right? It's I didn't think that uh, that that would be humanly possible, but he's a little dude, but he can, like you said, he can go in that ring. Now, given his size and the rest of the competition in the company here, I will say, at least for the time being, that his ceiling is probably pretty limited. I mean, obviously, we don't see him challenging for the AEW world title anytime soon, but he definitely fills a spot that I think people are obviously interested in. Definitely he is. Now, I do want to say again with this matchup here, and uh, I mean, if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert throughout this entire thing, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had uh, SoCal Uncensored. Uh, defeating uh, Jurassic Express um, yeah. again, very mixed reaction from the crowd, mm-hmm. and th- that's something that, that that really has stuck with me here. I'm I'm going K. Okay, so we had, you know, the the buy-in pre-show, um, and that one was kind of a mixed reaction going into the main card, and then the curtain jerker on the main card kind of mixed reactions again from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it. I was. I was almost going into this now with the ideals of this show is going to suck <laughs> because they're going to totally do things um, against what the fans, I guess, would be happy with. Not necessarily what the fans would want, but um, the fans just didn't look happy. Yeah. In the both of those matches, and, and that was something that I was fearing. Uh, if you if you take a listen back to a couple episodes ago, that's something that I was that I was fearing uh, coming into this is that they were going to have a bad start to the show uh, coming from the pre-show to the main card, and and I think unfortunately that's one of the downs that I talked about yeah. at the beginning of this episode is that they really, I don't think they hit the mark when it came to hyping the crowd at the very beginning. Hmm. Possible pun intended. Now, one thing with this too, I think part of the issue could be stemming here is that, I mean, typically at the start of a show, I don't mean this isn't always exactly the formula to follow, but you, you would usually have the baby face or the babies kind of go up on that, that first match to kind of give that crowd that kind of good feeling at the beginning. But having said that, Carl... SoCal Uncensored, they're really not heels either. They're kind of almost like an in-between. So could this not having clear definition between the good guys and the bad guys be part of the problem? I it, I think it could be. Um, I'm not going to say definitively that, yes, it is, but I think that that could be part of the issue. Yeah. Um, SoCal Uncensored, they're, they're hype guys. That's exactly what they are. They've yep. all all members have really been in the business for a very long time. They're veterans in the business. They know what they're doing. 60 plus years combined, I think between the three guys. Right. It's kind of ridiculous. So, so yeah, I mean, 
I think that they were just out there to be the hype people and, yeah. and that, that was really it. And they're okay with that because they've done pretty much everything that there is to do yeah. in the world of professional wrestling. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think definitely with there not being at a de- definitive face and a definitive heel that that could have taken away. Yeah, that's my the only way I can kind of see this is that I think that's where you get the mixed reaction is just people don't really know how to feel. Um, given the next match here, Carl, though, this was a lot more clear cut because people definitely have very definitive feelings on, on both of these competitors. We had Pac versus Kenny Omega. There we have clearly a heel versus a baby face. We definitely do, and this is one that I was really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was looking forward to, uh, you know, Moxley kind of being in there as well with this. But, yeah. I mean, you know, with the way things happened, everything still kind of turned out. It turned out very well. This match was, in my opinion, one of the best matches of the night. Um I don't know what more to really say about this match. I mean, it was yeah. it was a good match. People, again, again, coming back to this whole don't understand the entire booking with this. Yeah. But uh, this this actually can set up for more matches between these two. Yep. So for those who haven't seen it. Um, Kenny Omega actually lost to Pac, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't a pinfall. It wasn't a submission. It oh. wasn't a count out. It wasn't anything like that. The referee stopped the match because essentially Pac choked out Kenny Omega. Yeah. Essentially a referee stoppage. Technically you could call that a submission, I guess. Um, my only thing with this here, Carl, and this could be just because I've seen so many of his matches now and maybe I'm getting a, Maybe that's where this is kind of coming from. Kenny Omega's matches, I don't know if you feel this way at all. They're exhausting to watch. <laughs> you you need to explain yourself a little bit there. What do you mean they're exhausting to watch? Well, this was a 23-minute, 20-second match, and there's so many false finishes and so many high impact moves and it's, it's so high energy and it's it, it's, it's it's an emotional roller coaster. That, being on these, watching these matches of his, I mean, and it's good to a certain extent, but when it starts getting into so many false finish pinfall things, it, it gets to be a little bit much. And this is, of course, an issue that we see a lot in NXT with some of these uh, main events that they do. I, I like his matches, but damn it, they're exhausting to watch. It's it's, it's so stressful almost to just kind of watch these things. I think if you have one match on the card that has several false finishes, yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, when you start getting into more uh, matches that have the false finishes, then it then it becomes a little bit of an issue on on my end at True. least. Anyways, yeah. um, to use the same person as you're suggesting here with Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. you're right. It does become exhausting. It, I, almost kind of becomes old hat. So we know that we're going to expect in a Kenny Omega match at least six false finishes before we get to the end. And yeah, I mean, it kind of makes it a little bit more predictable and boring almost. (laughs) 
I, I will say though, on, on the positive, when it comes to that, I mean, the, the guys just got stamina and cardio just for for days to be able to do this every time and just go watch any of these matches in New Japan or any of these independent matches. Like they're just they're marathon matches, and they just dude's got energy to spare. It's just that part is impressive, but as a fan, sometimes it gets to be a little bit much. I will say. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not just trying to find the negative in it because it definitely was a good match, but uh, yeah, exa- a little bit exhausting. Going from that, Carl, we had a match here that um, I'm going to say one of the damnedest matches I think I've seen in quite a while. Uh, they referred to this as a crackle cracker barrel clash, and this involved Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela. Oh boy. <laughs> well, you're already hoboing. Give give me give me what you thought. Just when I thought I'd seen kind of everything that I could see in a hardcore match, because th- that's what this was. Yep. These guys come up with original stuff. Um, tacks in the mouth with the mouth tape shut. Don't think I've ever seen that. Um, guy jumping off the top rope on a skateboard with tacks on it, sticking to the guy's back. Haven't seen that one. Uh, haven't seen a guy drop back first from the top rope to the outside on his steps with a cracker barrel on his back and crashing and burning. Haven't seen that. <laughs> it just, it's, oh my goodness. I mean, just, just oh, like there was one spot in particular. It was a um, kind of like a reverse, almost kind of like a destroyer to the outside. I think it was Janela putting Darby through that table on the outside. That was some crazy, you know what? <laughs> and now the majority of this that was going on oh. involved who? Um, largely Darby Allen, a lot of those spots. Very much so. <laughs> that, and that's that's somebody that, that both of us have really not known too, too much about. Man, that kid is and, indestructible. Oh, my God. Right? For oh, him to Jesus. now come out and show this Man. to everybody. He just solidified his name. Holy crap! It just and not to take anything away from the other two guys because I mean, I mean Jimmy Havoc, guys done death matches and that kind of stuff. The, the guy literally stapled himself at the beginning of the match. Like these guys have d- just tremendous pain thresholds, and this was just like three concrete blocks just bashing each other, you know, for the better part of fifteen minutes in this match. I mean, just insane, insane. If you're a fan of hardcore wrestling. You got your money's worth, I'll tell you. And it wasn't oh. any any shock core type of stuff. Not it was, really, it was not essentially really. yeah. normal stuff that you would have seen from like Mick Foley, yeah. right? Like Mick Foley would go out and he would have thumbtacks yeah. or Kane would, you know, do thumbtacks and they would choke slam into the thumbtacks and stuff like that, right? It, it, it was kind of like a normal, normal type of uh, hardcore match that were... Yeah kind of accustomed to i guess you could say uh there wasn't any large amounts of blood there wasn't fire there wasn't light tubes there wasn't like any of that garbage in there this just seemed to be a classic hardcore type of match and for me i very much so enjoyed it yeah for sure a couple of spots that i thought were I won't say a little unsettling, but I think could be a little unnerving to some of the fans. The the paper cut stuff, I, th- I think, is, is maybe not quite in the norm for what people are expecting. And the thumbtacks in the mouth and then taping the mouth shut, that, that was, that's got to be a bit of a dangerous thing to do. <clears throat> 
there yeah i mean theatrically <laughs> yes yeah you know it, it could be seen as something dangerous i don't know if you really watched any of those paper cuts and stuff that were happening yeah um i've been i've had paper cuts yeah um i've been you know in matches where there's been paper and we've kind of done the same similar things yep uh, that looked really fake, and I'm calling it agree, out yeah. there right yeah. now. Yeah. Those paper cut things looked super fake and oversold, 100. percent That's my only bad thing from yep. this match. Really, is that it? It just oversold 100 percent on those fake paper cuts. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Now the, the match course resulted in jimmy havoc getting a decisive win with that acid rainmaker putting joey janela through that cracker barrel in the middle of the ring with all this madness that match had a clear decisive win so i, I like the the way that it ended yeah <laughs> so going from that curl we had the dark order which for those who aren't familiar i mean these guys are relatively kind of unknowns um they went up against the best friends Chucky Taylor and Trent Beretta. This was a really good, solid tag team match, and this was to actually receive a first round bye in um, the tag team championship tournament. This is a, this is going to be kind of an ongoing theme with these tag team match here, Carl. But it seems like it's you know just another good, solid tag team match. Wasn't anything out of this world, but no, by no means was it bad. Just it was it was solid. The, well, I think you just you just said it right there. It was a solid tag team match. It wasn't yep. anything stupid. It wasn't anything ridiculous. It wasn't, you know, anything mm-hmm. over the top. It was just a really good tag team match. And that's something that I think is is great for the tag team industry, that there's a company that's willing to go out there and just allow two tag teams to have a really good match together mm-hmm. as opposed to you know, putting, uh, you know, weird and stupid stipulations on matches yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. Like, uh, it's not needed. Mm-hmm. Y- you got four guys in that ring. Just let them tell a story. And pretty much they went out there. They told a story. There mm-hmm. there was emotion that you could see and feel throughout that entire matchup. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're looking the Dark Order came out on top, mm-hmm. uh, which... I kind of expected, um, even though, you know, Trent Beretta and uh, Chuck Taylor, I mean, are two of the uh, more notable names. Uh, it just kind of seems like the best friends are like the mid-card tag team, unfortunately, uh, which, in my opinion, they definitely should not be. Mm-hmm. But the end of this match, man, <laughs> fully jumping. I'll get to, to, to that kind of part. Uh, now, are we talking after the bell rang? Yes. Okay. Because th- this is, of course, going to be my favorite part of this whole thing. We had my boy, Orange Cassidy, come out, stand in that middle of the ring, run to the other side of the run, run to the other side of the, go off the ropes, and then, well, with his hands in his pockets, dive through the top of the middle rope into the dark order, coming back into the ring. Orange Cassidy, I think he's one of the best friends now, Carl. I absolutely hate it. (laughs) No. This did not sell me on 
Orange Cassidy at all. Yeah. Well, it had the, the exact opposite thing for me. I, I, I like the, the trio with these three. And I'm excited to see what they can do going forward. And I think if anybody could bring out the wrestler in Orange Cassidy, it's Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. I'm excited to see what these three guys can do, Carl. And I'm on the totally different end of that spectrum because Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta with the best friends tag team is a comedic tag team. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we're going to see them be able to bring out any wrestler in Orange Cassidy. I think we're going to see the opposite effect and we're going to see a dumbing down of Mm. the best friends because of Orange Cassidy. We shall see, Carl. We shall see. I think we could be pleasantly surprised. At least I am hoping so. Now, well, you might be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> well, you guys all know what my feeling on Orange Cassidy, and you guys are definitely familiar with Carl's opinion. And, hey, it's one of the things that we disagree on, and it is all good. Now, going from that, we had a singles match between Riho and Hikaru Shida. This is for to decide the other half of the women's championship match. This was another one of those matches on this card, Carl. I got to say, good, but nothing spectacular. Not memorable at all. <clears throat> yeah. So, Riho getting the win. So, it's going to be Riho versus Nyla Rose. Definitely a size mismatch there. But strangely enough, Riho probably has the experience advantage. Believe it or not, this girl has been wrestling, I think, since probably about nine years old. And she's in her 20s, and she already has like 13 plus years experience in the ring. So that is something to not ignore there, but uh, definitely an interesting matchup. Uh, definitely not what I would have predicted, though. No, me either. Uh, 100% <laughs> so. it's not kind of what I predicted. Um, yeah. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't really predict either one of these two to kind of be that next name. I, yeah. I figured definitely that they would have used somehow uh, one of the more notable names mm-hmm. um, in the industry yeah. to kind of be that, you know, name to go and face for the first crowning of yeah. the All Elite Wrestling Women's Champion. I think this is a good time to bring this up here, Carl. And uh, we had mentioned it before we started recording here today that in AEW, at least here, a pretty significant uh, thing happened in the women's division. Uh, one of their top talents, uh, at least in my humble opinion, uh, Kylie Ray, um, her career, not, not just her career in AEW, Carl, her wrestling career may be over at this point. Um, the reports that I have seen, I don't know if you've seen the same ones, spinal injury, uh, which is bad news. That is what I'm seeing as well. Um, it is bad news. We do know that uh, Kylie Ray has actually um, asked. She asked for her release yes. uh, from the company, and they uh, obviously they granted it to her. Um, especially if there's a you know injury of such stature that's that's kind of happening and in play right now. Yep. Uh, can we see a rehabilitation and a comeback? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell, and. You know, on the WWE side of things, kind of along those same, uh, in that kind of same vein, we're in that Casey Catanzaro um, could have a career-ending injury as well. She has, um, you know, been been released from WWE, so that that's another big notable one. You know, she was 
starting to kind of get some experience and getting some matches under her belt and her career may be cut short too. So that's a, that's two big or, you know, two significant, um, things happening in the women's wrestling world that, uh, it's a shame. It definitely is. And for those of you who don't know who Casey Catanzaro is, if you've uh, heard anything about the American Ninja Warrior series that happened, uh, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Big Joe or anyone out there, but I do believe that she was the first woman to win that competition. You would be correct, Uh, sir. Okay. So she was the first to make it all the way through and win that competition. And then uh, she broadened her horizons from American Ninja Warrior and made her way over to, uh, you know, developmental with the WWE, made her way up onto NXT. And uh, in, in my humble opinion, she's been doing fantastic over there. I've always enjoyed watching her come out and put on a show. And it's unfortunate to see both of these women um, kind of having to bow out the way that they are right now. But hopefully something can uh, can intervene and happen and allow these two to both come back to the ring at some point. And the reaction to Kylie uh, Ray specifically uh, from the wrestling community, especially in the internet wrestling community, is going to lead really nicely into our showstopper segment uh, this week, Carl, because some of that stuff has been really kind of ticking me off, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Next, we had Cody with... MJF at uh, at ringside with him uh, versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard with uh, with Tully Blanchard at ringside. The, before the, the we get into the match here, Carl, one thing that I will say about this thing that people may or may not agree with me on, what was with the Star Trek stuff with Cody? Why not? <laughs> there was no context for it. There there was no lead up to the, to the reasoning for doing that though. That, 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 that was the part that had me going, Oh, okay. It was, uh, t- I mean, for me, it was just something different. It was, yeah. a, a an, an elaborate entrance that happened. Um, I mean, it wasn't super elaborate. Don't, don't get me wrong there, but yeah. I mean, having, having DDP, MJF, having Brandy, you yeah. know, as of like six of nine, Right, probably one of the hottest Star Trek characters. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to complain about that. Fact, about, trust me. <laughs> right, and then even Pharaoh coming out with yeah. them. Um, the the little bit of pyro that happened, Pharaoh getting scared. That was kind of kind of. <laughs> yeah, you could see legitimately. Pharaoh was like, "Ah, no, I'm out of here." <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, oh, wh- why not? Like, yeah. I mean, it looks. It's good. just something different that I yeah. think. You know, it didn't need any context. It was just. Yeah. Them going out there and trying to do something different to put on a good show. See, for me, it would have worked if they would have, you know, on these Road 2 series, almost kind of had like little 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 segments there where you kind of, you introduce them, you know, kind of as that, or they could even do like a little Star Wars type little kind of vignette. You know, the... the, the Star that, Trek. Star Trek. I don't know I said Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of both. Probably that's why. Um <laughs> Nerd alert, right? Um, but that, that would have at least given some context for me there because I, I think it looked really good, but I didn't really get the reasoning behind it. But th- that's besides the point. The match itself, excellent. I mean, uh, playing out the psychology, absolutely. I mean, the, the lead up to this was was great. And we also had the pleasure of seeing Mr. Arn Anderson get involved with this with Intelli uh, Blanchard getting a little bit physical. I mean, this match had a lot kind of going for it. And... Uh, just a good, solid, it felt like almost kind of like an old school type of match. 
that's exactly how it felt. It yeah. just felt good, old school, classic professional wrestling. Yep. That, that's I, I really don't have anything bad to say about this, except, like I said, that entrance stuff I thought was a little off. But, I mean, I thought everybody else played their part right. Um, just, yep, yeah, it was a good solid match. It's not going to be something that we're going to be talking about 30 years from now, I don't think. But just a good solid match, and I think it, it accomplished what it needed to. Yeah, I think so as well. So, uh, Cody getting the win over Sean Spears, in case you were wondering. Now, going from that to the Escalera de la Morte match, which was for the AAA World Tag Team Championship between the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. I'm in a bit of a weird place with this match here, Carl, and I think it, it, nothing to take, in, to take away from any of these two tag teams. I think just it's at the point where I think I just have seen too much of both of them at this point. To where I won't say like it's desensitized me or maybe not excited, but because they did do some exciting stuff, but it's just, it's, I think these guys are a good example of just, we see just too much of them, especially if, if you watch a lot of their independent work that they've done up to this point and just said, these guys are busy too. So it's, it's almost like we just, we see too much of these guys. So I'm hoping once they, once TV starts here that, you know, these matches will feel a bit more special because we're not seeing them every other day. Yeah, and I mean, I think at this point, like, I think this was, what, the fifth time that we've seen these these uh, four guys in a tag team match. Yeah. And it's not that it's becoming old hat, but I think it's it's be- becoming a little more hard for them to reinvent uh, what they're doing and really change things up so that they don't seem as though that they're the same match happening over and over again. Now I get it. They changed things up. They threw, you know, the stipulation of the ladder match in there for the triple uh, a tag team championship belts. I get it, but it just honestly seemed like it was just a regular run of the mill tag team match from both teams and that they're all, it almost felt as though they're getting tired of facing each other over and over again. We even saw at one point uh, Pentagon Jr. being unmasked very briefly, which I don't think I've ever actually seen. Um, wasn't able to really pause it really in time to, to see what the, the guy's face looks like. But, uh, yeah, like I said, nothing to take away from any of the four guys. I think there's probably four of the best talents in the world. Just at this point, we've just we've seen so much of them that it, it just doesn't feel special. Yeah. So I don't know going forward if maybe making these guys singles, if that's maybe the, the approach. I know with the Young Bucks, I mean, that's probably virtually impossible at this point. But just, yeah, we're, we're at that weird spot where what else is there left to do with these guys? So. I don't think that there is anything left to do with these two tag teams uh, per se Um, splitting them up. I don't think is a very good idea either. You don't need to, but what needs to happen is that now we see a feud, let's say between, uh, you know, the young bucks and the best friends or I'd pay money to see that Lucha brothers versus the dark order, you know, something like that. Mix it up, right? Mix it up, mix it up. And then, I mean, the newest tag team, Making their presence known <laughs> at the end of this match. Yeah, I almost uh, kind of forgot about that. Um, right? 
I will say that if you are somebody like me, when you watch wrestling and you really, really pay attention, especially the stuff going on in the background, I'm pretty sure that the crowd was in on what was going on if you were listening. You could hear LAX being chanted in the crowd. I don't necessarily think that they were in on it, but you could mm. you could tell. You yeah. could tell from the mannerisms. You could tell from the from the you know, just the way that they were working, the way that they were walking, yeah. the way that they were doing things. And it's something that we've kind of seen from LAX before, uh, coming out there in in yeah. masks, you know, um, uh, not lucha masks, but looking like like dead president. Dead presidents, yeah. Masks, right? Like that was cool. it's it's stuff like that 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 we've seen from LAX before in different companies. Yeah. So I think that's where the connection really came in. And I mean, well, going a little bit later into the show here, mm-hmm. um, that's where, you know, the day of social medias may have put a damper on things too. Yeah. We'll definitely be touching on that. Last match. Kirk Carl was the main event between Chris Jericho and Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. Before the match even started, Carl, I got to say, probably one of my favorite entrances that I've seen so far this year, we had Adam Page, who kind of already does this kind of cowboy gimmick to begin with, coming in on a horse, finally. They, they they did this and I thought it was really cool and it, it was it it, it it fit definitely it so did cool. and this I is again that. one of those um, as I've always talked about the small things the little things yeah you know and that, that's that's all that this was and it wasn't anything over the top elaborate it wasn't like the horse was all you know done up in like a uh, you know, like a John Wayne style with, you know, guns on the sides and saddlebags and all of this stuff or not even coming out like medieval kind of style with, you know, stuff on the horse's face and anything like that. It just was Adam Page coming out on a horse. That's all it was, people. But it worked so well. Now, the match itself and the result here, this is something since... I don't know if you've been uh, kind of feeling this way since the match was announced and leading up all the way to the result now. So I think I still am so torn about which way to go on this one. I mean, both guys are a great choice. Having said that now, I I really think that they made the right choice because I I think thinking long-term – Having Chris Jericho win the AEW World Championship gives the opportunity then for Adam Page to get even more over by eventually beating Chris Jericho for that title. I think bigger picture, this does work. At the same time, yeah, it would have been cool to see Page be the first one, but then then the downplays Chris could possibly downplay Chris Jericho. So I think that this is the right move. And I think in the bigger picture is actually better for page. I, I have to agree with you there. Unfortunately, um, I think that this is something where, um, AEW kind of did things uh, a little bit wrong is they had Chris Jericho doing this uh, great promo that he did. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, where he's psyching himself up and then he's he's talking about if I don't win, yeah. that's it. Jericho's done. The legacy is over and and all of this stuff. So it it kind of ended up being all right. I know Jericho's winning now because there's no way that they would have, you know, gotten Chris Jericho to come in to mm-hmm. do what? Two and a half <laughs> matches. Yeah. And then he's finished like. No, we knew that that wasn't going to happen. And I think that that's, again, going back to the little things, that's a little thing that they should have excluded from that type of a promo yeah. is the whole, oh, if I don't win, I'm done. I, 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 I hate when they do that because then it's like, well, yep, clearly we know who's going to win this match. It's the kind of thing that I think especially fans like you and I, Carl, really pick up on. Like, like for example when they were starting the King of the Ring tournament for WWE and they were asking all the, the commentators who their picks were going to be. And I think almost everybody on commentary picked Drew McIntyre to win and he went out first round. As soon as I, I heard them give their predictions, I'm like, dude's not winning. Exactly, right? <laughs> Again, that, that's more of the thing that I think that the fans like us kind of pick up on. Regular or casual fans, I can't really speak for them on on that particular thing, but uh, that's the stuff that I pick on right away. And that uh, that Chris Jericho promo, I definitely agree. You know, once that was said, once that was dropped, I'm like, yeah, he's winning. Not to take anything from the match because the match itself, I, I thought was great, a bit on the long side, but still really good. But just those promos have got to be fine tuned just a little bit more. Yeah, and I mean, 26 and a half minutes for this match, I don't really think was that long. They really went out there and and they told the story. They really did very well in this match. Um, And and having Jericho go over and become the very first AEW heavyweight champion, I think, was was a fantastic idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to take away anything from Adam Page. The guy is a great worker. He's phenomenal in the ring. But... The guy has absolutely no charisma, and I think he really needs to to kind of hone that charisma a little bit more. And if he does and really grabs a hold of that and can really draw the crowd in with just his charisma alone, he's he's going to be the top star for years to come. He's got to start getting some of that Orange Cassidy charisma going. Please no. <laughs> you know I was going there. All right, so that wraps it up for the all-out show. As a whole, a really good, solid pay-per-view. There's definitely a few, you know, standout matches that I think will be, you know, pretty memorable. So, if I, I usually don't like to to kind of grade pay-per-views, but I think this is, I gonna, I would say, slightly above average. Definitely wasn't out, out of this world. But definitely wasn't bad by any means. I, I think they accomplished what they needed to. But going into television, you know, they still got a little bit of work to do. But I'm I'm still optimistic that uh, they're going to give WWE a run for their money. I think definitely. I think that they will. Um, this isn't on the run at all that we've had. But yeah, I I, I just want to run through this super quick. And, sure. and I mean, you at, at as soon as I'm done, you can add in whatever comments you want to this. Yeah. But we do have to mention that NXT UK had an NXT takeover from Cardiff Correct. on the exact same day. Mm-hmm. So essentially at like 2 p.m. Eastern time, we had uh, NXT UK takeover Cardiff. And then 8 p.m. we had um, All Elite Wrestling's 
all out. Um, From that, I mean, for myself anyways, because I've watched both, I was able to watch both of them live. Still, I think the NXT product is just a little bit better than what All Elite Wrestling put out in this pay-per-view. We saw Rhea Ripley defeat Piper Niven. We saw Cassius Mm -hmm. Ono uh, finally, finally get get a win here, um, defeating Sid uh, Scala. We saw Noam Dar defeat Travis Banks. Cesaro uh, defeated Dragunov in in, uh, an amazing match. I mean, we saw Cesaro do his swing 40 (laughs) flipping times. Wow. In one shot, which was <laughs> phenomenal to see. Yeah. Um, triple threat tag team match was a little bit of a cluster. The always are. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we had uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster defeating Zap Gibson and uh, James Drake, uh, who were the champions, as well as defeating Gallus in uh, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. Um, then we saw Joe Ga- or Joe Coffey defeat uh, Dave Mastiff in a last man standing match that was just done so phenomenally well. If you haven't seen that, I suggest you go and watch it because I was super happy with it. Um, Tony Storm losing her uh, NXT UK Women's Championship to Kaylee Ray yeah. um, in in a very good match in a short one at that nine minutes fifty two seconds ish, mm-hmm. and then. The main event of the match uh, for the UK championship, we saw a 42-minute match between Walter and Tyler Bate that was just, again, in my personal opinion, so well done. I was very happy with it. It didn't feel as though it was a 42-minute match. It felt just like a one continuous go of a match that that was like 20 minutes at most i thought and then looking back at it going holy crap that was 42 minutes long um walter keeping the the championship title um so for for myself at least that there was a little bit of a better pay-per-view than all out did you get to see Take over Cardiff. I did not get a chance to, but now that I've heard you talk about it, I will definitely go. We will be uh, checking it out while I um, kind of put uh, this week's episode together here after we're off here. Here, Carl, I will say going 42 minutes with Walter, damn, that, that just that, that just sounds uh, <coughs> that sounds pretty nutty. But um, Tyler Bate, I mean, uh, 42 minutes with Walter, that's um, that's quite the yeah. accomplishment, uh, just right there, that in itself. Now, having said all that, going into this Wednesday night war thing potentially here, I, I will say I do agree with you that I think that NXT does have the edge just because they've been around longer, that they that they have kind of a rhythm going with their with their show. It looks pretty promising for AEW, though, Carl, that their first few televised shows are all completely sold out, and I, I think just the, the fans are really, really clamoring for something that's not WWE. I, I think that they could really make a dent in the ratings on Wednesday, and we're going to have to wait and see. But uh, it, it um, I'm excited. 
I think I think they definitely can as well. And I'm excited to see what's going to come of this, too. This is going to be uh, just a phenomenal time for anybody who is a fan of professional wrestling. And I, I'm, I've been seeing a lot and hearing a lot of people, you know, kind of going, oh, well, you know, ticket sales are really good right now. But are they even going to be around in a year's time and blah, blah, wow. blah? Well, um, newsflash for you all. They are ex- AEW is expecting to be around. Uh, for many years to come, um, AEW president Tony Khan came out after the show, and and I know I'm kind of jumping into something that wasn't on the run again here, okay. Joe, but um, he came out after the show uh, being brought out by Cody Rhodes. Uh-huh. Um, Cody went on and he congratulated like uh, you know a couple different people. He congratulated Jericho on you know winning the championship belt and uh-huh. and and all of that. But Tony Khan comes out and and he looks at looks at the crowd and takes the mic and he announced that every Labor Day weekend, AEW All Out will return to Chicago. So we now know at least every year, Labor Day weekend, we are going to have All Out in Chicago. That is huge news coming out of this show right now as well to 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 know that they already are projecting to next year and years ahead so with that type of mindset they're not just looking at the here and now they're looking at the future Mm -hmm. of all elite wrestling as well and really seeing that it's going to succeed for sure now before we go to our showstopper segment so we do have a few of the topics I do want to hit on, but I think I really want to touch on one. And I think the one that I'm going to go with here, Carl, is the let's go with the the CM Punk appearance at Starcast. Did you get a chance to watch this at all? The entire two hours. It was it was very interesting, and I was really really curious of how this interview was going to go. And I will say. When, when it comes to, to Punk, when it comes to Phil Brooks, which is his actual name, I've always kind of been on the fence about him. I, I really, really enjoy what he do, does as a wrestler. As a person, I think a lot of times there's a lot left to be desired there. When it comes to this particular interview, I like that he really kind of took the high road on a lot of the answers to the questions that he was asked and just the, the topics and whatnot. He did a good job on this, and I was worried that it might this interview could have maybe gotten out of control. But got to give him props. Um, he was a gentleman. He, it was a good interview. It was that's about all I can say. It, it, uh, it wasn't like one of these phenomenal ones that we're going to be talking about for years to come. It was a good, solid interview, and yeah, he just he he, he came off as just a, a kind of regular guy, and I do re- like and respect that. Me as well. It really seems as though that like he did he did not turn this into any type of a shoot interview at all. It really turned yeah. into just um, as he said, he claimed that he wanted just to go out there and he wanted to really just have a sit down and talk with his friends. And that's that's really how it came across is that he was just out there. Uh, you know, shooting the breeze with his buddies, his buddies being everybody that was in the audience there. And and like it just it that's how it really turned out and really felt. It just felt like he he was he wasn't shooting, but he was talking from the heart. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I and, and I think 
listening to that that entire interview, there's one thing that I really took from that, and and it was it, just a quote that uh, CM Punk had, had said. He really talked about how he. Um, when, you know, he, he'd get, you know, to that next level and he was, he was kind of reaching down to his buddies and going, come on, come on with me, come on up here, you know, uh, like really grabbing at them going, come on and trying to help them out. And and something that he said really stuck with me. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. Hmm. If you want to go far, go together. So that, that, that's just something that I, I don't know. It just seemed very from the heart coming from CM Punk during this interview. Uh, it didn't seem like he was, he wasn't in CM Punk character. He wasn't in any type of pipe bomb type of state. He, it just seemed very natural for him to be talking about essentially his life. Uh, whether it's in the horror movies, whether it was in professional wrestling, whether it was a road story, whether it was whatever, he just very seemed to, be genuine with everything that he was talking about. Because going into this, I was really curious, just because of kind of our recent kind of experience when it came to all this, like when we posted that episode of Turnbuckle Talk, when um, our own Ryan K. Bowman shared it on Twitter and tagged him in it and resulted in him blocking the gorilla position, and he had done this to quite a few other ones, there's a speculation that, you know, he's just he's completely jaded and pissed off with the pro wrestling industry. I really didn't get that impression from this interview. I mean, we definitely heard that, you know, there were some points where he was obviously unhappy and whatnot. And we already kind of knew that having said that now, when we look at his social media, now I have a feeling that there's somebody else kind of pulling the strings on this and that he wasn't the one going about all this. I, I get the exact same feeling. Um, now he, he did say in this, this uh, interview that he did as well, that, you know, he's he's really happy with this whole, uh, you know, Twitter thing and that on Twitter, like yeah. he doesn't even have to block people anymore. Like he can just, you know, like unfollow or, or mute or, or whatever it is, these these different people that he doesn't want to hear anything from. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's on his personal level. He's not going out and just blocking people all over the place. Yeah. So I, because of that, I'm thinking as well that there is somebody that may be uh, running kind of the account and that he just kind of hops on once in a while and does a few things. And I think that this person is uh, clearly got a beef with the wrestling industry, but um, we'll have to see when it comes to that kind of stuff. But um, I think we'll, where were we at? Uh, you know, I think we got uh, a little bit of time here. I want to touch on one last thing before we get to our showstopper segment, Carl. And this was the, the PWI top 10. Now this list is, seemingly kind of leaked out and i just want to touch um actually not on the full top 10 but just kind of the, the top five um looks like the top five they have kazuchika okada kofi kingston aj styles daniel bryan at number two and the number one we have seth Rollins. now <clears throat> i know of course that the pwi is purely based in kayfabe but Seth Rollins at number one, you feeling that? I mean, given the nature of everything that's happened over the last year since, uh, you know, the last PWI 500s come out, yep. 
yeah, I can I can totally see it. I mean, he's gone on. He's you know won the the, the championship, and he, you know he had the, those matches with Brock Lesnar, and he's holding the Universal Title, and you know all of this different stuff. And and honestly, I think the the the, the age of social media and stuff coming out um, with you know him and Becky Lynch and all of this. I, I, honestly, I think that that really plays a factor into it. Um, prediction right now, who are we going to see in the uh, PWI top 50 or top 100 females? We're going to see Becky Lynch as number one, guaranteed. And I think that that really comes to, uh, I don't want to necessarily say dirt sheet, but that comes to kind of just the, the, the kayfabe. Uh, like you said, of the entire industry and especially stuff that kind of revolves around PWI. Uh, I have full love for PWI. Don't get yeah. me wrong. They they do some amazing stuff over there, some great work. Um, but I think that, that it, it's kind of more catered to the fan. And, and that's what this is, is that, you know, the biggest company out there is the WWE and they're going to kind of cater to that. Um and making Seth Rollins number one. And as I predict, we're going to see Becky Lynch as number one. I think that that really has been what the what the reasoning and the effect of it is, is that these two are now like a power couple within the wrestling industry. Yeah. What's interesting is I was, while you were just talking there, Carl, I was scrolling through this supposed um, top 100 of this 500 list here. I'm looking through this top 100, Carl, and the big notable name that I'm not seeing inside this list, Brock Lesnar, not even in the top 100. That seems kind of nutty to me. Uh, me, me as well. Um, <laughs> now, I do, I do know that PWI really kind of goes through and uh, they kind of base their their top uh, top 500 and their top 50 or 100. I can't remember which it is for the females, mm-hmm. um, but they kind of they kind of base it on actual things like actual matches, actual, you know, appearances, actual stuff like that. Right. So for Brock Lesnar to have been just this part-time guy who really didn't, you know, do too, too much and, and make that huge of an impact in the wrestling industry. It doesn't surprise me at all that Brock Lesnar is not listed within the top 100. Uh, That was a fair statement. Now, having said that too, whoever did this list, or it could have just been whoever uh, caught, cut and paste this. At number 13, we have somebody named Tommaso Chirpa. So um, maybe there's not a whole crowd, lot of credibility in this list. Just well, I, As just far saying. as I understand, it is. PWI has, yeah. uh, you know, actually legitimately on their Twitter page put, put all of this out. Yep. Tommaso Chirpa. So, yeah, I think that this... Uh, um, <laughs> are, are, are you... Did you Google that? And are you looking at, at uh, um, I'll say the first three letters of, of the, the name, HBN. Is that the site you're looking at? That is not. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm looking at one that's, uh, that's uh, HBN and yep. then .com. Yeah. Um, and this list here as well uh, has, yeah, C-I-A-R-P-A. Yeah. It's mostly yep. Chirpa. Yep. <laughs> Anyways. We're going to take a brief break here, Carl, and we're going to come back with a showstopper segment that kind of ties into some of the things that we were talking about earlier in this episode. So stay tuned. This week's episode is brought to you by Hype City Vapors. Go to HypeCityVapors.com for all your e-juice needs. 
Use the promo code JK Podcast at checkout and get 15% off on everything you buy. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at hittingthemarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. We have content, especially led up by the flagship show, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find that all at hittingthemarks.com. Run. Hey guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, and we are at that favorite segment of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at our show stopper segment. Yeah. So for this week, Carl, the showstopper has to do with social media. I know we've kind of touched about this on other talk on other episodes and possibly in some other showstopper segments. I honestly don't remember at this point. Because <laughs> we have been going for a while here, um, is this? I, I know, obviously, because we make use of it too. I mean, th- there's there's good and there's positives out of having wrestling Facebook groups and and whatnot. At the same time, too, Carl, I got to say, and I've definitely come across this. And I don't know if how much you have as well. There, they can be some really toxic environments too. There, there's some people on here that whether they're just being trolls or whether they're just genuine haters or what's going on here. But I mean, there, there is some toxicity out there in the wrestling world. I gotta say there definitely is. And I mean, for those of you that follow us on social media at TB talk pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you really will never see any of that. No. Um, we, we try to put out such a, such, such a, a, a good, not good product, but just a clean enough product that really people don't kind of go on there and, and really do that type of stuff. But I mean, this is going to sound really bad, but this has been happening forever. Yeah. This isn't just a social media thing. Uh, I, I look back to the days when there wasn't social media being, you know, this, this rampant thing. Um, and us just talking about, professional wrestling with with our friends and our buddies and there's always going to be that one guy that that's you know crapping on on whatever crapping on that person or crapping on you know that match or you know stuff like that and and you know even for us like it was it was note writing back and forth and you know tape trading and (laughs) and all of that stuff was happening right so uh, the negativity has always been there it's just more prominent now because of the age of social media and I, th- I think the other way to look at it too is that because, like you said, it's definitely more prominent because these people can be this way and they're just behind a tablet or phone or computer. It's, these people likely wouldn't be this way face-to-face with another wrestling fan. And, you know, where this kind of stemmed from too was, I made hint of it earlier in the episode, this deal with Kylie Ray getting injured. And I can't remember what page or site or whatnot that I was looking on, but there was somebody who was obviously very pro WWE and very anti AEW saying, Oh, look, look, they're losing somebody already. And you guys make fun of WWE for this. I'm like, really? Seriously? Uh, I had to really control myself to not comment. I didn't even end up touching it. But really, like, it just it amazes me how gutsy people can be behind a keyboard 
know, when it comes probably face to face, yeah, they wouldn't have much going on. Back in our day, had you come up to me and said <laughs> that Shawn Michaels was crap, I would have literally punched you in the face and said, you're wrong, and then walked away. Uh, so you're right. Today's day and age, there's nobody to sit there and punch this person in the face or give them a slap upside the head. Um, remember here, folks, inside the hand, yeah. that's abuse. Backside of the hand, that's discipline. Okay? Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of how we were back in the day. If somebody came up and, you know, was, you know, kind of talking crap about uh, the business or, or, or crap about one of our favorites, we, we, we just... You know, we'd punch you or we'd slap you with the back of our hand and or we'd suplex you or, you know, super kick you or put you into the sharpshooter or did whatever we had to do to, you know, get our point across. Um, And and that that clearly can't happen. You can't reach through the screen and, and, you know, kind of strangle this person and go, what is the matter with you? Um, Yes, I was I was very aggressive and and an angry child. I definitely was. but yeah, like it's it, uh, you're right. That's exactly what it is. People can just hide behind that screen, uh, be those keyboard warriors, as you know has, the phrase has been coined, and talk whatever crap they want because they know there's really no repercussion for it. Now I know what some of those quote unquote keyboard warriors, as you just mentioned, are going right now. But Big Joe, you make fun and you, you criticize and you hate on WWE all the time. Here's the difference, people. I'm not hiding behind a keyboard here. This is a podcast going out to anybody who wants to listen to it around the world. I'm, I'm voicing my opinions here. And as I stated before, it's not that I'm hating on WWE. It's that I'm being critical because I want them to actually be successful, as do I want AEW to be successful, as do I want Impact Wrestling to be successful, as ROH, and as New Japan, and it goes on and on and on. We want all these companies to be successful for there to be a healthy industry. But at the same time, for me at least, when I see things that I feel are questionable, I'm going to call a spade a spade, regardless of what company or what wrestler or whatnot that it is. That's the difference. I'm We're putting our voices out there to, to, to be heard, whereas somebody just typing on a keyboard, anybody can do that. That's right. And I mean, again, if you disagree at all, we gladly give you every week our social media accounts. Absolutely. You want to be that keyboard warrior? Send us a message. Yep. Tell us what you think. You're listening to us talk about it. You're listening to us criticize and, and be critical on different products. You're also hearing us being very high on different uh, products that are out there as well, including WWE at times. Mm-hmm. You want your opinion heard? Send us a message. You know what? Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do a little uh, phone call with you. Get your own audio, and maybe we can insert that into uh, some of the episodes down the road uh, when you know these topics come up again and we talk about them. Um, yeah, I mean we've we've got this platform. This platform is out there and available to us, and and we're using it to kind of voice our our opinions. Uh, we're not hiding behind anything. Nope. We clearly and openly give you all the information. Um, without going too personal into our personal lives, but we give you, uh, you know, every avenue to kind of talk with us and engage with us, and and that's that's kind of something that we're looking for. We hope that you do. And, and of course, I, I'm a, of the school of thought that our, our, I feel our opinions matter because when, when you when you look at us, if, if you are listening to this episode for the first time and don't really know about us. Carl and I have known each other since we were ten years old, and we are now thirty nine years old. 
we've been at this for quite a while, Carl. We've been following the industry for a long time, and we know each other very well. So you're hearing opinions from from people who are very very experienced, not just some casual wrestling going. Eh, I don't I don't like that that. You know, we this isn't our first rodeo. That's right. I mean, you're you're listening to stuff from guys who have been, <laughs> you know, watching the product and all of the product for many many years. Uh, you're listening to the voice of somebody who was actually in the business. Yes. I was in the ring. I was taking the bumps. I was winning championships. I was there. So this isn't just, you know, blowing smoke out of our rears. This is this is actual legitimate conversation and talk, and we know what we're talking about. Um, we might not always, you know, have the right verbiage for things <laughs> or even, you know, the right remembering of things because – well, I was in the business. I've had concussions. It's hard for me to remember a lot of things sometimes. Um, Casey Catanzaro yes. issue that happened mm-hmm. earlier on the episode, right? Yes. But, you know, like like it's, it's, it's not like we're just, you know, trying to trick people into, you know, thinking that we, we know what we're doing. But, like, we've, we've been... In this industry, like I've been watching professional wrestling since I was three years old. Um, I'm 38 years old now. You do the math. That's over 30 years that I've been involved with professional wrestling. Absolutely. And we plan on being involved with it for many, many years to come for better or for worse, Carl. That's right. All right. So that about wraps up for this week. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see when it comes to AEW when. We finally have WWE and AEW airing on the same night. We'll be watching those viewership numbers very carefully to see because I'm very excited and it's going to lead to some good discussions and I'm hoping that it's going to lead to a lot of channels switching back and forth and people, whether it's texting or calling or however you choose to communicate with other wrestling fans such as yourself to go, hey, you got to tune in to see this on NXT or hey, you got to tune in to see this on AEW. I want to see a return to those kind of days where stuff turns into must-see things where you got to tell your buddy, hey, this is on right now. you got to watch this. That's where I want this all to lead to because we've gone away from that for quite a few number of years, Carl. I'd like to see it kind of come back, and I think – with we've got the formula here for that to happen so i'm very optimistic that we'll get there i am very optimistic about it as well and i think come december we can really have a good clear vision of where this is going to continue to grow to now um considering october they're going to start we give it a couple of months things should kind of be good from there and of course, uh, as you mentioned with our social media, Carl, of course, you can find us at TB Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Feel free to leave any comments or even suggestions for ideas or questions. Have at it, folks. And you know what? I think that about wraps it up, Carl. I think we'll uh, see you guys on the next one. Ciao. Thanks for tuning in to Turnbuckle Talk. This is Vinny DaVinci here with Joe and Carl. All your wrestling information and news coming right at you live here on the podcast. <laughs>